Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. We're actually going to start a new series this week, and I think, so I've got a bit cool with this, so it's called Hashtag Strengthen Your Stakes. No idea what that means, but apparently that's cool. I, gee, I've got about three different series I could have started and I was so confused this week trying to work out where to start and I'll tell you how I got to this place but this series could have easily been called Pressure or Compression and, uh, and I looked at a, a definition of compression it's a force that tends to shorten or squeeze something decreasing its volume and degree which is substances decrease in size after being uh, subject to stress this series has got that sort of tension in it as well um, often we, we tend to pull back under pressure, under stress, and it's the opposite that we need to be doing. And uh, I'll explain that. But I thought I'd take from a slightly more positive perspective. Because as you know, our vision for this is enlarge. And tell Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3, you know, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And you'll spread out to the right and the left. Strengthen your stakes. Hashtag strengthen your stakes. And I, I thought I'd better, I'd better actually check and make sure there was nothing rude on that, that hashtag. Now, for you that don't know hashtags, I don't know very much about them. But I know in Twitter you can use a hashtag, on Instagram you can use a hashtag, and it groups those things together in a group under that hashtag. And, and basically... I'm going to talk a little bit about social media in this process as well because I, 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 you know, I've got a couple of things I use social media and I see the value of it. But I also there's, see there's a really negative aspect of that as well. And, um, and, and, and this series, Strengthening Your Stakes, is about living a life focused on Christ it, in a self-obsessed world, to be truthful. And, uh, and stakes are like the foundations foundations we drive into our lives that hold us steady in the storms, in the difficulties, in the tough times. And, and, and that's what these stakes represent. And, and I've thought about five biblical foundations that we need to drive into our lives that need to be a representation of the way we live our lives, about attitudes, the way we live our lives. And, and I started originally, can I tell you, I started thinking about Galatians 5.22, 20, about the, the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I thought, yeah, they're the, they're the stakes. And I went, no, no. They're the consequences of having the stakes in our lives, those foundations. So I had to really think about this and think, what are the attitudes, what are the things we need to put in our lives that will end us in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control? What are those things? And I've come up with five things so far. This might grow as the weeks develop, but five things so far. Contentment. Contentment, relationships, authenticity, compassion, rest. The things we're going to cover in this series at a minimum. And I'm not sure about you, but (laughs) the world seems like it's gone crazy at the moment. Everything you hear and listen to and watch and you think, 
what is going on? It's just, it just seems like it's been turned upside down. And it's in these times we need to have even those foundations driven in even deeper. How do we respond to those challenges? Uh, often we respond in fear and we pull back. And I don't think that's the way God would tell us, Jesus would tell us to respond the way the Bible would tell us. We need a different perspective on that. And you add then to the pressure and the way that social media and, and, and how worlds change so much, how it affects us, how we live our lives differently because of social media. And, and you know, it's not just going to be a social media about this in this series, but, but it's got a component of that in it. And, and it really has transformed the way we do lo- our lives very differently, positives and negatives. And, and there's also a personal level of pressure that comes, I've seen, through constant contact with people 24-7 through that social media avenue. And, and often it brings comparisons that they're inevitable, but often the outcome of that isn't that positive either. So I've been trying to think about how to, to present this to you, how I think about that, and we're going to talk a little bit about social media to start with. Hashtag strengthen your stakes. Now, if you're not on social media, truly this, this series will talk to you just as much as if you are. But I just think there's some things that we, we need to talk about as a church to consider and, uh, um, you know, there's great opportunities that that technology provides. I know... You know, that, that I can keep in contact with my kids, with my family, with my friends through social media. But there's also unintended downsides, negative consequences of the different forms of technology that are available. And I want to raise a few of those issues here this morning and contrast them to the biblical stance and the stakes that we've been talking about um, that we need to strengthen in the face of this crazy world we're living in at this stage. And we're going to talk about contentment this morning. It's one of the key stakes, as far as I'm concerned, that we need to strengthen in our lives to drive that stake in deep for those tough things that come, for the, 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 the things that, that we end up comparing ourselves with other, we end up dissatisfied with life, we, we end up discontented with life. And, and it, it all comes, it all starts from inside us, you know, and how we respond to that. And, and the reason I got to this series, I'll tell you why. I was talking to my daughter Claire this week and Adrian. We were having dinner with them earlier this week. And my daughter is an OT, just like Mel, except she, she specialises in mental health. And, uh, and somehow the conversation got on to depression and, and how prevalent it seems these days. And I sort, of, I sort of thought, oh, she might have a view on this. Do you think mental like depression is more prevalent these days or is it just that we know about it? What do you, is there anything that's changed about our world that, that, that makes that so? And, and, and she said this. Um, she, felt that she felt for many young people, because she deals with a lot of young people with depression, they're almost addicted to and constantly on social media. And therefore, they're constantly comparing their lives with somebody else's lives. And, and because of that comparison, they often end up feeling life, like their life is worthless, means nothing, compared to the, all these other people, what they're doing in their lives. And, and that's a pressure that I'm sure was never intended, but is now being identified. And that was probably the reason I went, you know what, I'm going to do this series now. Even though I wasn't quite prepared to do it, I thought, no, this is an important thing to talk about. 
See, many social commentators believe that discontentment has never been a bigger problem in the history of the world. Ever. Ever. Think about it. Never before have we had so many people with so much and yet want so much more. Just think about that. You know, been, been reading and considering this, some sociologists are actually saying that social media is one of the biggest driving causes of discontentment. Because what happens is we look at other people's lives in social media, they look perfect because they're putting their best image forward. They're putting their filtered, improved image, their best, up for you. And, and you may have heard this before, but we're comparing our behind-the-scenes to other people's highlight reels. We're comparing our behind-the-scenes to other people's highlight reels. We're comparing, and we feel like losers, because we're, we know what we're like. We know our worst of worst, and we're comparing that to their best of the best. And it leaves us feeling less than contented, discontented, sometimes discouraged, even depressed. And maybe you've been like this you know, at home, and, and look, I've just seen my kids, I've seen the way this works. And you're at home, you're by yourself, and you, you're online, social media thing, and, and, and you see your friends out for a date, and they're at a restaurant, and they're eating lobster, and you're eating Vegemite toast, and you don't even like Vegemite, you know? And, and, uh, um, or maybe you see a friend at the gym, and they're doing the, the muscle selfies, you know, the, all that, and, and uh, you don't even know where to look for your muscles. You know, they're, they're in there somewhere, but they're just not sure. And, and you feel bad about yourself. You, you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> Think about this. Never before in the history of the world can you actually measure your popularity. In my day as a kid, you sort of could guess how popular you were by you know, the crowd you hung around with and how many people were in that crowd and that sort of thing. You sort of could guess, and, and maybe I'm not so popular, I don't think, but you know, that, that's okay. But now you can measure it because now I've only got 200 followers and he's got 400 followers, therefore I'm half as popular as he is. Or I've taken a picture and I've only got 13 likes and she's got 50 likes that's not fair. That's not fair. And we, we, value, we start to value us by what other people are responding to on social media. And it's just not right. Let me summarise it this way. Everybody else's life is so much better and my life simply sucks. We compare with others and we're less than satisfied in who we are. In fact, research is actually a study in two universities in the States and they had students spend half an hour on Facebook, just half an hour, 30 minutes on Facebook, and they surveyed their feelings after half an hour just looking at Facebook. And what they found is one-third, 33%, one-third of these students felt significantly depressed, citing envy as the number one emotion. After just 30 minutes of being on Facebook. See, this is a real issue today. This is a real issue. And, and we need to be thinking and talking about this as the church. And, and I want you to be really honest this morning because I'm going to challenge you and ask you some questions before we get in this anymore. I'm going to give you three different categories to, to consider. Um, and I want you to be really, really honest with yourself about these areas. 
the areas you might struggle with, that you battle with. Uh, and I'll broaden it beyond social media, of course, but, but you know, if you use social media, you'll probably recognise some of these things. The first thing, let's talk about material and financial discontentment. Are you discontented with your finances or, or the stuff you've got? You know, and maybe you see a friend post something about his brand new car and you hate your car. It keeps breaking down, causing you grief. Uh, you know, you want to be happy for him, but you're actually jealous. You actually want that car. Or someone else posts a picture of a lovely cake and you can't bake a cake and you just want that cake and, and how come she can bake that cake and look at that beautiful kitchen they're in. I want that. Or maybe she's got so many pairs of shoes it's like Kmart in there and you've only got three pairs of shoes. How come she's got so many shoes? And there's this financial and there's this uh, material discontentment. If we're really honest with ourselves... There's a bit of envy there. There's just a little bit of, I'm discontented with what I've got. If that's you this morning, I want to be really honest. Just put up your hand. It's okay. I'm not going to take names. Yeah, up the back. Yeah, anyone else? Anyone else got that? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think we all do from time to time to be truthful. Let's talk about relational discontentment then. Relational discontentment. You see a photo of your friends and they're all together and you're not. You actually haven't been invited. And why was I left out? I, I, I'm never invited to these events. Or, 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 <laughs> you're not married and you want to be. All my friends are married and I want to be married and I, I can't get married and what's going on there? And I wish somebody, I just had someone special in my life. Or, 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 or sometimes you're flat out working and you see all your friends that got time with their kids and go, how come... I can't get time with my kids. I'm, I'm so guilty. And, and, and maybe you see people with a great marriage and you don't think your marriage is that good and, and you, feel, you just feel discontented with that. Just feel a little discontented, a little bit envious, a little bit, oh, I wish things were better. And if you're really honest today, just tell me, just put up your hand if that's you, if you feel like sometimes relationships need a little bit of work. Yeah. The third one I'm going to call circumstantial discontentment about circumstances. And you're looking at your life and comparing it to someone else's and you think, I wish I was where they were. I, I, I wish, how come my point at my life at this point, I didn't think I'd be here, I thought I'd be somewhere else doing something more significant. Or, or, or maybe you want to have a baby and you've been to 13 baby showers this week and there's photos of babies everywhere and your desire is to have a baby. And it's horrible. Or maybe, like me, I just I so look forward to the things in the future, I forget to celebrate the now. I so looking at all the things that have to be done that aren't done, that I have to do, have to get organised, and I forget to celebrate the right now. And you see people celebrating, celebrating, you go, why can't I do that? Is that you this morning? Put up your hand if that's you. I feel like that's circumstantial discontentment. Okay. You see, someone said this once. It's 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. It's 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. Now, I think the reality for most of us is it's the opposite of that. Most of us live our lives as 90% of what happens to us and we don't feel like we've got much power in our response. And that's where we need to get better, church. So the Apostle Paul is a master of responding with a Christ-like perspective. 
In fact, we're going to look at one of the, I think it's one of the best verses in the, in the Bible about contentment. And he's in, I need you to understand this. He's writing this while he's in prison. He's in prison under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. See, he's not on holidays having a cocktail somewhere and saying life is great. No, no, no. He's in a tough situation when he writes this. And it's in Philippians 4, verses 12, 13. Verses 12 and 13, Philippians 4. And he says this, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Then he says this, I've learned the secret, the secret of being content in any and every situation. In other words, life can go the way I want or maybe won't go the way I want. It doesn't make any difference. I've known the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You want to know the secret? You want to know the secret of contentment? Right here. Verse 13, I can do all this through whom? Who? Christ. Christ Jesus. I can do all that through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. I can do anything and everything through Christ who gives me strength. And it's the starting place for addressing any envy and discontentment. Because it's not about what we do or we don't have. It's a secret of contentment is found in Christ and Christ alone. You know, I heard this said once, that contentment is not having what I want, it's wanting what I have. And it's a different way of thinking about lives. And, and, and let me say this to you this morning. Until all you have, until Christ is all you have, you'll never recognise that Christ is all you need. Until Christ is all you have, you'll never recognise that Christ is all you need. Until you're given, everything else is gone, stripped away, bare, and you recognise that Jesus is the only answer. It's the only way. Do you want to know the power of contentment? It actually is when everything else is stripped away. Because then we have to cling to our Saviour. There's no other options. You cling to the Son of God. Cling to his presence, to his Holy Spirit. He offers peace that transcends all understanding. It goes beyond our natural understanding, our ability to comprehend. Because he's our rock, he's our saviour, he's our sustainer, he is our, our comforter. He is everything that comes as a consequence of that relationship and our dependence and our surrender to him in every circumstance. He is everything we need. And, and you know what? We can search and search and search. We can get as many likes as you like. You can have many friends as you want. You can have all that stuff. You can get all the approval from everyone else, all the material things you ever want, all that stuff, all the, all the love and all the relationships and all that, those things. But until we experience the goodness of Christ, we'll always be dissatisfied. There'll always be a Christ-sized void in our heart that nothing else will fulfill. Nothing. Nothing will will make us content. Nothing will satisfy us like Christ will. Because we know we're born for eternity. We know there's something. We're longing for something more than we currently have. Until we let Christ be all that we need, 
always battle with this discontentment. Envy will rule in our hearts. See, Paul says, I'll tell you the secret of being content. I can have a lot, I can have not much. I can be in jail, it doesn't make any difference because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what I want to do, finish here this morning, is just two things I want to talk about. Just two, two considerations in this um, contentment discussion. That we absolutely and completely need Christ's strength to do. Two, two things to overcome the temptation of discontentment and envy. The first one is through Christ's strength, number one, will kill comparisons. Church, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because I just reckon we, we, don't do our, we do ourselves a disservice and we don't do Christ the justice that he deserves when we compare ourselves to other people because he has made us unique, unique, one of it's not two of you. Even my twin daughters, even they're identical twins, they are very different people. They may look the same to you, but they are very different people. They have different expectations, different purpose, different vision of their life, and, and they are different. And, and so don't ever discount your life based on a comparison with somebody else. That's dumb. That's dumb. I know we get caught up in it, but it's dumb. Stop comparing. See, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. He says this. We do not dare, we don't even get close to this, don't even get near it, to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves, compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. I heard this said once. There's no wins in comparisons. There's no wins in comparisons. There's no point doing the comparison. Don't compare yourself to other people. Truly, it'll, it'll just bring you grief. It won't help you. I'm telling you, it won't. We've got to kill comparisons. It's not wise. But we're going to get tempted to do it. You know, as I was a young boy growing up at Warners Bay, and, uh, and we were involved at Scouts in Warners Bay, and, and uh, my dad was helping run the thing. And, uh, um, and I remember looking up to this older guy. He may have been inventors or something, I'm not sure. But he was an older guy, and... Uh, um, and and I, I just really thought he had it all together. He, his family won the lottery a few years ago, so they were millionaires. They were driving the light, latest Mercedes Benz around, and we didn't even know what money was at that stage. It was just like, I think they're rich, you know, and, uh, and, and he got everything he wanted, everything he wanted, brand-new bike, brand-new skateboard, brand-new surfboard, went hiking. He had the greatest, best new gear, and, and we were sort of poor, we thought we were poor, but we were poor. And, and, and it just seemed like he had it, every, everything together. Yeah, my dad had started a few businesses and they'd almost gone to bankruptcy and were, were just surviving sort of thing. Finances were tough. We had four kids in the family. He was an only child. Um, and, and I just thought, man, this guy has got it together. This, this is cool. He's got it all. And I remember going away on this camp with him one time, with a bunch of guys, of course, but, but just... Somehow we ended up together hiking or something. And I remember him saying to me, with, with tears in his eyes, I remember him saying something like, I'm so envious of what you've got. He probably didn't use those words, but that's what he was, he was sort of saying. He thought, how lucky you are. You have a family that does things together. That 
that really love each other. And I haven't got that. And I thought, whoa. As a young boy, I remember thinking this comparison thing is, is, is just out of shape. You know, if we start comparing ourselves to other based on the best version of what we see, we'll never measure up. We'll never think we've got enough. We'll never think we're good enough. Or, but, but there's other things that people are looking at you going, wow, I wish I was like that. I wish I had your strength. I wish I had your peace. I wish whatever it is. And it really changed the way I thought about comparisons from that point forward. So to really strengthen the stake of contentment, We've got to kill comparisons. Why? James 3, verses 14 and 16, it says this. Look how dangerous this is. If you harbour bitter envy, listen to me here, those of you that are envious and watch what this does, if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. And James is being a bit sarcastic here. He says, such wisdom, quotation, such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is what? It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. <laughs> Envy's demonic. It's unspiritual, it's not from heaven, it's earthly. And it goes on. From where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Whoa. That is a heavy-duty scripture. We've got to kill comparisons in our lives because it's not going to do you good. It's Demonic, unspiritual, earthly. Hmm. You know, even one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet. You know, it's, just, it's not just unhealthy. It's, it's a sin in God's eyes. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to get out of our lives to crush it completely. And I don't know how this plays out practically in your life. I don't know how that works for you specifically. But maybe, young people, it might be time to take a social media break. Or older people. Maybe you got too dependent on this thing. Maybe you got too connected to it. And, and it's feeding that sin of envy. You know, maybe that's a good idea to do that every now and then. You know, for, for some of you, maybe you need to hide um, the feed of other people's posts. Maybe you need to get rid of them, unfriend them, delete them. I don't know what you do. Whatever you do, just get them out of the way. Get them off there. And because uh, maybe that's, that's driving something that's not healthy in you. Maybe that's something you need to consider. For other people, maybe you need to stop ordering those shopping catalogues. Maybe you need to stop going on eBay. Maybe you need to stop watching those programs that, that drive that envy thing in you, that makes, drives you to want more. You know, maybe you, you need to, to consider that. Maybe, maybe it's... Don't put your plate, yourself in a place where you get envious. Don't, don't go to the boat shows. Don't go to the car shows. You know, don't, don't, don't go to those shows that drive that thing in you. But I want more. I need more. To be happy, I need more. Christ is all we need. Christ is all we need. Because envy is demonic. Get that. <laughs> this isn't just a, a little thing. This, this, this is a big, a big deal. You know, and one way I find I've been able to adjust that in myself is it's by celebrating successes of others, really celebrating that. It helps purify my heart. When someone else is blessed in the way that I would want to be blessed, whenever I learn to celebrate with them, it purifies my intentions in my heart. It purifies something in me. When someone else gets 
the job that you want. It's not, it's go, oh, God's got a better purpose and plan. That I'm, I'm so blessed that they're blessed, you know, and, and, and really thinking about it differently. You know, when someone else gets that thing that you want, thank you, God, for blessing them. That's amazing. God, continue to bless them. It purifies our motives. You know, when someone goes on that vacation that you want to go on, that trip around the world or whatever it is, God, bless them. Let them have a great time. It's an amazing blessing for them. And I found in my own heart, I can't, when I can't celebrate for others, I actually think I'm limiting God in my life. Hear me here this morning. When I can't celebrate with others, it does something to our soul, to our spirit, and it makes it smaller. And, and, and I don't know, but it seems like it, it limits what God can do in my life. And I can give you an example of this. Um, you know, we, we planned this church over 14 years ago, and, and generally over the, the 14 years we've been amazingly blessed. There's been growth, there's been terrific things happening most of the time. But I can think of at least two seasons where we got stuck, where we, there wasn't growth and and you know, and you, we got stuck financially and building-wise and emotionally and physically. And, and, uh, and, and I remember he, hearing and seeing other churches that were growing and, and we seemed stagnant. You know, we moved on this property and Robert and I, we, we sold our house and sold into the church to, to get on this property in the early days. And uh, we'd renovated the hall next door and we're meeting there. It was tight physically and the finances weren't there to build the auditorium here. And it seemed like we were just stuck, and it seemed like people didn't care. To my, from my perspective, it felt like people didn't care. They don't care whether we get an auditorium or not. And, and I remember our sister church had grown magnificently and then had bought this building, and people were throwing resources left, right, and centre. And I got completely out of shape, I can tell you, completely out of shape. I think, what are we doing wrong? What, what's going on here? What? what you know, we, we need to build this new auditorium because we're stuck where we were. You know, it was tight. You walk in the door and you'd trip over a seat because there were seats door to door. And we were stuck. And, and I remember the biggest breakthrough for me was a scripture changed my perspective. It's out of Numbers 6, verses 23 to 26. And I read this scripture and I felt like the Holy Spirit challenged me to think differently. Instead of looking what you don't have and what people aren't doing, bless what you do have. Bless what you do have. And I remember thinking or being challenged with, how do you bless your people? And at one stage, well, I turn up, don't I? I'm here, you know, I'm blessing you. No, no, no. No, no, no. How are you blessing your people? How are you valuing them? How are you uh, seeing God in them? And it changed the way I thought. And this scripture says this. This is how you are to bless your people. Say, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And it was like the lights went on. It was a revelation. Changed the way I thought. Actually changed the way I even worked right now. You know, it's like, oh, well, if we don't get an auditorium, we've just got to make the best of what we've got. And I prayed that every day for months and months and months over every single person in our church, over other churches in the region, about churches that we were connected with around the place. Prayed that just about every service for a couple of months at the end of the service. Prayed God's blessing to be evident. And I can't tell you how it happened, 
But something happened. Something changed. In the process of that, it changed my heart and it started to change people's hearts and it changed our finances and, and it helped us move towards building this auditorium. Now, we started to grow again, you know, and, and so we ended up a couple of years later finishing this building without any debt, paid cash, 50% more people, and you go, how is that possible? How does that work? How is that? And I can't prove, and this may or may not be true, but perhaps the reason God is not blessing you with something you want is because you're not celebrating God's blessing in someone else's life. Now, I can't give you a scripture to back that up, by the way. I just know that's my experience. When I break through that envy or that discontent or that discouragement, something changes around that. And God seems to work in that. And if maybe if you're not getting what you want, maybe, just maybe, you might consider what's going on in here. Just consider what's happening in here. Maybe you need to address that. I have to finish quickly now. The second thing is, the first thing is to kill comparisons. The second thing is to cultivate gratitude in our own lives. So it's kill the comparisons, cultivate gratitude in our own lives. And um, envy is defined this way. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. It's pretty powerful stuff. Envy is resenting God's, God's goodness in someone else's life. It's ignoring your own. Now Proverbs 15.15 15 says this. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. Every day, it's a bad day. It's a rainy day. It's an ugly day. It's a horrible day. Cars breaking down. Kids are bad. Blah, blah, blah. Every day is a bad day. For the despondent, every single day brings trouble. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. For those people who have that disposition... To, to think about their life differently, there's blessings that come out of that. And, and there's God's goodness. If you want to look for the bad in the world, you'll absolutely find it. If you want to look for the bad in this church, you'll absolutely find it. But if you want to look for the good, you'll also find that too. You know, you, you, God, you'll see God's blessing in all of it. For a happy heart, it's a continual feast. It's all about perspective. And Ecclesiastes 6 9. Solomon, the richest man in all history, I think, is what I've read. Enjoy what you have. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. You want to have a continual celebration in your life? Enjoy what you've got right now. Don't be envious and discontented and looking, always looking at those other things that you haven't got. Enjoy what you have right now. Be thankful what God has given you instead of looking on someone else's Instagram post and go, I wish I had their life. I wish I was where they were. I wish I could do what they're doing and longing for that. Don't do that. Enjoy what you have right now. Next time you say, I hate my stupid car, <laughs> say, thank you for a car. Because you know what? You're in the top 5% in this world that's got a car that runs and you own it. Wow. You know, the next time you say, I wish I better ha had a better house. No, stop and thank God for roof over my head and, and indoor plumbing that works because, you know what, half the world hasn't got that. They haven't got that. 
You know, my life is crazy. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm too busy, I'm going hard, I'm going hard. Well, thank God that you've got friends and things you're connected to and your kids are doing stuff and, and there's a church and a community around you that there's stuff to do, you're involved. Thank God for that. Not whinge about being busy. For goodness sake. Oh, the music's too loud in church. You know, there's too many young people, you know. Look, can I say this before I get on to that? I, I was really impressed last week because I heard our, our seats were full last week, if you weren't here. Um, we, we put out more chairs and uh, we didn't have enough seats here. And basically, um, I, I got told that our church people started to stand up and give visitors seats. And I love that. I love that. So well done. Give yourself a clap because that, that's an awesome thing to do. Um, oh, so that, that's the right heart as far as I'm concerned. So get back to this one. The music's too loud in church. And yeah, sometimes I cringe a little bit too, I, I can tell you. But you know, thank God that young people are in the church. Thank God that they, they want to be in church. They want to be here. They, they, that, that they are here. The next generation is here now, you know. And there's a passion and a fire for the things of God. Thank God for that. And if, we take, if it just takes loud music, I'll put up with that. When my life is good, I thank God for his blessings. When my life is not what I want it to be, I thank God for his goodness. He's working in all things, all things, not some things, to bring about the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. All things. Comparisons. Kill those comparisons. Get a heart gratitude for where God has got you right now. Be appreciative of what God is doing in your life right now. I'm telling you, it'll change your perspective. Drive down that, that, that stake. Strengthen that stake in your life of contentment. You've got to get rid of those comparisons. and got to have a heart that's of gratitude. Let me pray to finish here. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for your um, Holy Spirit, that you would seal this message in our hearts, that we would be a church full of people longing to know you, to seek you intimately, to find joy and strength and contentment in your son, Jesus, that we would be changed, God, because We've been in your presence, that transformation thing that happens when we're in your presence. God, I thank you right now that, you know, not everything's probably appropriate to everybody, but God, that there's something that you're saying to each one of us here. Each one of us, God, that you are saying to us uniquely. Come on. You need to think differently about that. You need to think differently about that. You need to start to do your life differently from this point forward. If you've allowed that discontentment, that discouragement, that envy, that thing that can, can just drive you crazy, now's the time to kill that comparison. In the name of Jesus Christ, we declare that. That Christ, you are all I need in my life. That's all I need, God. I don't need anything else, just you, God. And God, that we can have that heart there's a heart of gratitude in our lives so we can cultivate that in our lives. We can appreciate you. We can appreciate uh, people in our lives. We can appreciate the things that God, that are happening right now. We don't have to like it all, God, but we can appreciate that you're doing something good in the midst of that, God. And Lord, here this morning, 
I don't know everyone in this room and I don't know where you are with your walk with God. But I do know that every one of us has got that Christ-sized void in our hearts. And maybe for you, you've made a decision in the past to follow him, but somehow you feel like you got off the track, you got distracted, you don't know even how you got there, but somehow, whether it may be even been discontentment or envy or, or something else or discouragement or, or even depression. But here's a chance to start afresh today. Right today, mark this date in history. The 31st of July, 2016, is the day I turn my life around. And if that's you here this morning, all eyes are closed and every head bowed, I just want you to put your hand up. I just want to say, be really brave. Say, Greg, that's me. I need to turn around. Awesome. Awesome. So there's hands are across this room. People, Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer. All that other stuff is okay, but Jesus is the answer. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a graceful God. God, that you love us exactly where we are right now, God, but you love us too much to leave us there, Father. And that, God, that you will show us through your word, through, through prayer, through discipleship, through all sorts of areas, God, that you will show us the way forward, God, through friends and and. Uh, and, and, and you, Holy Spirit, as you lead us. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in lives right now, God. We have, we have that gratitude in our hearts, Lord, that you are all we need, even though the world would tell us otherwise. God, we want to give you praise and glory in this place. We thank you so much for your spirit here that's leading us. We pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a great big clap this morning. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.